Show. My name is James Ruby. This is my show, and today we have got a twofer. We're looking at the DDT show we promised to show you last week, but we couldn't do because of technical issues. Um, and so you've got me and Chelsea talking about stuff, which everyone seemed to enjoy. Uh, Chelsea hasn't planned for us to talk about more stuff, very specific stuff that is very Troopany show related. It's a bit meta. We'll talk about that another time. Speaking of Chelsea, me and Chelsea were just having a conversation on the internet about, uh, on the Twitter there, something specific part of the internet. And a dude interrupted our conversation and said, could you mention the fact that we have um, me and my mom, right? Me and my mom have a blog and podcast about wrestling and restaurant reviews. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> but <laughs> Chelsea said spamming people is not the way forward. But I just wanted to say how random is reviewing wrestling and restaurants with your mom. That's man- quite funny to watch people try to review restaurant food as there's a wrestling match going on in the background. It's like, yes, I, I was enjoying the pasta until some asshole landed in it. And yes. now has had his head repeatedly smashed into it. I have no plate left and no pasta. Zero stars. <laughs> you may have noticed that Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine has come to interviews. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I am um, got over the trauma of Squid Game. I have <laughs> the technical issues that were plaguing last week's show. And, yeah, finally uh, can talk DDT and shit. Uh, uh, Dopper, by the way, who we mentioned on last week's show, did say this week, last week's show was great because we started off with the Smokey and the Bandit 2 reference. So therefore, he knew it was going to be a good show. Um, I've mentioned Smokey and the Bandit 2 now, so I think we're probably going to have a good show. Um, anyway. Mom, where I say I haven't seen a Smokey and the Bandit film. How have you not seen a Smokey and the Bandit film? Smokey and the Bandit should be on Netflix. It was on Netflix for a while. And it's on ITV4 every weekend. It's just one of those things that I've never crossed paths with. Like, I know of it, and I know about it, <laughs> the sort of cultural reception to it. It's just, I've never really been in a position to just sit down and watch it. You weren't I born in the early 70s also, <laughs> like me. <laughs> I think the closest I've come to it was, it was on in the background once whilst I was writing a review. There you go. It is cinematic genius. We should maybe, like, do a... Um... I, like we do wrestling, where like one of us hasn't watched much of it, and uh, the other person has. We should probably watch Smoking the Bandit together somehow and do a review of it, like that way. <laughs> That'd be an intriguing extra podcast to do. Uh, anywho, we'll move on. Uh, we're looking first of all at DDT. Who uh, who's going to top 2021? Which was a tour, and this was the last night of the tour. It was the Who's Going to Top tour. It, it's kind of like the Japanglish I like because it just doesn't make quite make sense. It kind of makes sense. Who's going to talk? But you can see, you get that, but it's not the complete sentence. It brings it you to goes, a point and then it stops. It also goes back to the minor sort of 90s re- like Japanese wrestling sleaziness because it sounds like a sexual proposition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, this, is, this is a Friday night that's gone really well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Or possibly not. Um, 
sorry, yes, you completely like comic got me completely off track there. Anyway, let's move on. So the opener was Yuki Ishida versus Yue Koroku, which was a time limit draw of five minutes, and it was the two rookies having a crack, and it was good. I like both these lads. Not a lot else I can say about it because it was it was just good. It was solid grappling, mostly map work with a bit of rope work. Um, but kind of what you'd expect to, I hate to use the word young lions because they're in DDT, so they're not young lions. I don't know what what's the DDT logo that you could borrow to call them young somethings. Young head drops. Young head drops. <laughs> they're not quite DDTs yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> young front face locks. Um, yes, it was good. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I always love it when DDT bring their rookies out because they'll always like put on a show and the crowd always seem to get behind them. Much like sort of the New Japan Young Lions, it's like when the rookies are out, they don't waste a second and the crowd will always appreciate that. And yeah, it's just nice to see that they're continuously still teaching new people. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, that is the thing is like, one of the reasons why it's so expensive to run Japanese companies is because everyone's on contract. And it's not, you know, people are in the dojo that they're, they're looked after, that, you know, their lives are paid for, as it were. They they earn a living being dojo people, which is one of the reasons why, you know, it's not like the UK and to less extent the US, where there's literally a wrestling school in every major town and they've started grading it like, you know, mixed martial arts. You can do professional wrestling as a child from a young age <laughs> and get grades like you would do in, in karate or because a lot of people have kind of cross-pollinated from both training styles. So essentially, I mean, I remember one of the wrestling schools um, in Grimsby used to do proper grading and stuff. And you had to be able to do certain things to move on to certain things. And your final match, you had a graduation match with somebody off of uh like the one of the big names of the british indie circuit uh unfortunately for one dude one little lady i saw in that grimsby uh match that i saw her as her graduation match was Surya night in a cage which is as graduation nights go is you know a bit much <laughs> like it's, it's, it's great to say you can do that but you are probably hurting the next day Yes, you were a bit so. Um, also, another lad um, who tagged with Sam Adonis against um, the British Hooligans, which is UK Zach's. Hooligans. UK Hooligans, which is Zach Knight and Ricky Knight senior. Yeah. So, you know, who are, are known for being a bit spectacular when it comes to the double teams. They are very, very good, but also will drop you on your head. Um, and he looked like he he was blowing up after about 35 seconds. And then two hoofing him around. And Sam Adonis was stood on the apron smiling, going, hey. <laughs> and eventually just started joining in with the hooligans. It was like, yeah, there you go. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, let's move on to the next match, which was Sashiro Takagi and Yumiki Hata against Mizuki Watase and Shinya Oki. And seven minutes and four seconds with Yumiki Hata. Continue to kick the seven bells of shit out of her opponents, which is what she's been doing for the last 35 years and has no, seen no sense in stopping now. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, she's a scary, scary woman. She's not made her entrance. I'm like, wait, why do you look familiar? Quick cage match. So she's like, ah, we've crossed the <laughs> before. 
And as I looked at the match list, and I'm like, yep, seen that one, seen that one. And then she proceeded to do the same thing to Aoki and Watase, and it was just, ouch. Very yes. much ouch. Was it Aoki's the thinner guy, isn't he? He's the MMA guy. Yeah. He's yes, current extreme champion. Which is Yumiki Hata challenged Aoki for the extreme championship, which is on the next DDT show, which will be intriguing. Those two are going to kick the absolute shit out of each other. Like, yeah, this Aoki's is true. got no chill either, so it's just going to be... Someone's <laughs> probably going to be busted open within like the first two minutes just from shoot strikes. <laughs> Um, Hotter is like was one of the pioneers of applying shoot style to women's wrestling in the 1980s. She was a tag first major title she won was the WWWA Women's Tag Team Championships, tagging with Akira Hokuto um, back in 1988. That'll tell you how long she's been on the top in Japanese wrestling. Uh, she did have one mixed martial arts match. I think it was with Gabby Garcia, uh, where she got red kicked in because you know she's Garcia is a heavyweight. And Yumiki Hara is, is not a heavyweight. She's heavy. <laughs> As in, whoa, man. Yumiki Hata. Uh, and she did brilliantly try running the ropes in a mixed martial arts match. And Garcia, so they asked Garcia about it, so I thought I was going to die. Um, that was the night Alpha Female made her debut for Risen as well, because she came out and challenged Garcia after that, which really annoyed, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Shinobi Kandori, who was supposed to fight Garcia that night, but couldn't because of injury, so Hata took her place, and then Alpha Female came down and challenged Garcia. So, of course, uh, Shinobi Kandori um, had to back out. Well, could, didn't get the big money fight in the end, which she was annoyed with. And Jazzy did actually, when I was talking with Jazzy, I said, why did you piss off Shinobi Kandori? And she said, what did you do to her? How, how, why is she why so angry? said, who's that? That little old lady. I went, she fucking terrifies me now when she's about 50. So he's like, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, where was he? Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun match because, you know, Yumiki Hot kicking people, always fun. I always love the fact that Takagi never tries to get himself over. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's the big boss, so you'd expect that you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out and get this book. Takagi always just puts everyone else over. Like, he knows how well, to have fun in his matches. He knows when to pick his moments. And most of the time, he's just having the shit beaten out of him so everyone else can look good. Well, yeah, but that's kind of like the boss you want in a wrestling organization in the sense of, you know, a lot of people had problems with Bill Watts, but he understood when he was no longer a draw and no longer capable of making main event matches work. So he backed himself down the card and slowly slipped into the front office. Which cannot be said for several wrestlers you can think of. <laughs> you know, it's a couple of guys. I mean, Fritz von Eric kind of like, all right, you, you could easily accuse him of nepotism as his five lads all became wrestlers. But equally, he understood he was no longer a drawer and he needed something else in the company. It, it just so happened that three of the von Erics happened to be three of the greatest wrestlers Texas ever produced, which is lucky. <laughs> for, you know, it's, um, you know, the people do need to, like, Takagi's a good example of leading by example. He would expect all the wrestlers in the company to do that, and they do do that, don't they? So, yeah. And I suppose, it, 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 but even, like, when we look back at the older DDT stuff, he never really got himself over over, did he? He was never the top, top, top guy, so. He just seems happy to fight and make people happy. Well, that's it, and there's no wrong with that. 
I mean, it's like Kikuchi in all Japan. What is he? Nearly 60. Goes out and does opening match opening matches. He hasn't been under contract in all Japan for like 10 years. Comes out, wrestles about 100 matches a year, has some fun, gets some lads over, goes home and has his tea. What more could you want in life? <laughs> Quite happy. I find that a lot in Japanese wrestling. Just people wrestle because they're winning, because it's fun and they enjoy it. And they're happy with it. Anyway, should we move on to the next match? Um, pheromones, Yuki Inoue, uh, sorry, Yuki Ino and Yumio Imanari with Danshuki Dino defeated Hideki Okatani and Yusuke Okada. Can you explain how pheromones works then, John? Because this is a complicated set of circumstances. I even by DDT standards. So uh, basically what I was able to piece, piece together, because obviously Eno was injured for a while, so he couldn't participate. And then the faction he was with all out disintegrated basically from the 37 Kamina, leaving him and Akito with nothing to do. Now Akito went elsewhere and Eno apparently joined forces with Dino and they have formed Pheromones, which is basically the world's sexiest tag team. Imin, Yumihito Imanari from Ganbert joined in and we've got the weirdest yet somehow incredibly entertaining gimmick of all time because they're bas- it basically looks like they're taking the piss out of like 70s and 80s fashionista teams whilst also looking like porno producers and so yes. you've got Yuki sexy Ino, Yumihito fantastic Imanari and the Dan Shoko Dandy Dino and yeah as I, in L Dandy maybe it's 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 just a, <laughs> it's a fun as hell gimmick I, Dino hasn't got the perm to match up with El Dandy, I have to say. It, it, it's funny because it's like Dino's transferred his sex pest powers to Eno. <laughs> it's like, because yeah. I think 90% of Eno's offense was hip swiveling. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all fine. It's all fun. I don't expect DDT to produce, like, you know, Dead serious shoot style wrestling, even though they have some dead serious shoot style wrestlers. Um, said Dino is capable of serious shoot style wrestling. John Akiyama approved that. It's just here they're meant to. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> well, yeah, because like, Dino was in the, Dino went to the All Japan Dojo to start with. It was Dino and somebody else. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Takagi, but they went to the All Japan Dojo and didn't make out. And one of the reasons why they ended up in DDT. Was because they um, they just they were literally wrestling school dropouts. They were dojo dropouts from all Japan. They couldn't they couldn't get on with the all Japan system and went to DDT and succeeded. It was about five years ago they decided to go back to all Japan and try and win the all Asian tag team championships because they wanted to prove to all Japan that they were actually worthy. And you know it was like that was a really cool moment for them um, and in their careers and stuff. I'm not sure if they ever won it, to be honest with you, but, you know, it was kind of like, that's a really cool thing to do. I like that idea. Yeah, anyway, Karen. I remember watching this match and I just kind of like, do I screenshot this and make a peak male performance joke tweet? And I never did. <laughs> there's, there's just something so hilarious about watching, because they won, 
Like, Pheromon's won pretty easily. Like, Okatani and Okada are great, especially Okada. Like, if if you get the chance, go back and watch his match against Ueno when Ueno was still a universal champion. Mm. Like, that match got hyped to hell. So I didn't watch it originally, and then I saw it, and I was like, huh. Yeah, Okada's pretty good. And Okatani's another one of the rookies, to a degree. Mm. With Junretsu, and he's been pulling out some great performances. So here he was just kind of meant to take the sexy beat down. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. Sorry, Carol. Which, to be fair, is an expression I didn't expect myself to be saying today. No. Indeed. Um, The... My notes say so. It's a faction under a mass delusion that they are gods from Greek myth, Apollo, Zeus, as well as Beelzebub, against another faction who like going to the sauna a lot, whose pixie elf manager brings forth a fifth member with a non-god side who are in trouble, who is Adam. Zeus beats Adam with a lariat. Then Ricky Chosu comes out and says, "As far as I can tell, this is what wrestling is truly about." <laughs> I had to write that down because all of that is true. I'm not making any of that up, am I? No, it, it all happened. No, it all happened. That was Akito, Daisuke Sekimoto, Kazusta Higuchi, and Yuki Nei. They were the gods against 37 Kamina, Maoshima, Katsumata, Yuki Ueno, and Keigo Nakamura with Haruna Ikubu, who is the elf god. Um, yeah, 7 minutes and 56 seconds of the deities of Greek myth uh, sending Christianity uh, a strong message of dominance. So, because a lot of people are probably just scratching their heads, right? This was an (laughs) anime crossover match with a new sort of, I think it's on Netflix, called Record of Ragnarok, which is basically all about the Greek gods threatening to destroy Earth unless they win some sort of fighting contest. It's Basically Mortal Kombat, Greek God style. And you've got Akito, Sekimoto, Higuchi and Naya as the gods and the 37 Kamina. And Keiko Nakamura, who is the best rookie, just the absolute best rookie, who ended up cosplaying Master Wato halfway through the match. <laughs> like he came out in his Adam gear and I'm just sort of like, hang on a sec, is that Master Wato? Oh no, it's not. <laughs> and sorry, can we just talk about the pure majesty that is Daisuke Sekimoto in a toga? I, he does fill out a toga really, really well. There are very few men in this day and age who can fill out a toga and not look like an idiot. And Sekimoto is one of those people, unlike his teammates who did look a bit shifty. Sekimoto actually does resemble some more of a Greek god in his body shape. So that does mean that the toga fits nicely, as opposed to the other guys who were either overly rotund or underleaf built for the particular item of clothing. Thankfully, they were all wearing trunks underneath their um, uh, 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 togas for in case of malfunction. Akita looked like he was loving it, though, and it's just relaxation gear. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. It was all just a bit daft, really, but it was really fun. 
arguably you could say an awful lot of DDT is a bit daft but good fun. And I have no problem with that at all. Like, I love the fact they brought in Nakamura as the sort of godsend gift and then he just got his head taken off by second mortal. <laughs> he hit him so hard his wig came. Yeah, he did. He tried really hard to keep it on as well. Oh dear. Should we move on to the next one or have you, have you exhausted everything we can say about this? I think um, I've been laughing at the expression of, expression of theological discussion. Uh, uh, we'll move on uh, to the next one. Antonio Onda and Naomi uh, Yoshimura as well as Saki Akai defeated Donshuku Dino, Masahiro Takanashi and Toru Owashi in perfectly fine match. I thought it was good. Takanashi's big return. Yeah. And being sidelined for over a year and a Half. He did quite. He got quite the um, response, actually, didn't he, for the big comeback? Yeah. So yeah. People yeah. love Takanashi, and rightly so. He's just so damn good. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with this. It wasn't. I. I, I mean, the cage. No one's actually voted for it on the cage match website. So that means there's not been enough votes to yeah. get a rating, it which is unfortunate. Just, it was just a getting back into things match, really. It was there yeah. to sort of, you're like, middle of the card, have a bit of fun, tell a bit of a story, and yeah, because obviously Honda and Takanashi are mates as part of, like, the modified CDK and through Chocker Pro, which I'm pretty sure Takanashi has taken the reins of since Saka is in America now. Yeah. And yeah, has just, let's have some fun with who's here. You've got Yoshimura once again proving that there is nothing stupid he won't do to his hair. And <laughs> just, yeah. Dino spent half this match on a turnbuckle with his ass out. Which is like what he does most of the time, but this was kind of like, um, yeah, just just doing it longer for, to extend the joke even further. It's like, come on, use my ass as a weapon. All right, three minutes later. Have you done it yet? <laughs> and then Honda and Takanashi go into it. Because nobody wins when an ass is out. No, no one does. No, not really. No. Let's move on to the third match of the evening. Uh, sorry, the third from last match of the evening. Yonakiyama tagging up with DDT legend Yoshihiko. For those of you who don't know, that is the... Um, sex doll that Jim Corner has so many problems with. Um, and they defeated Disaster Box, Harishima and Kazuki Hirata in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. And I've got to say, one of Yoshiko's best performances of the last 10 years. I mean, that girl can go, can't she? They are incredible. They they managed to pull off so much shit despite the limitations. And especially since they got <laughs> blown up last year and they're still kicking... <laughs> but then again what would you expect when you've got the best wrestler in DDT teamed up with John Akiyama yes it's... well let's well, say most successful wrestler like Akiyama was so happy like <laughs> I've never seen someone so affectionate to our Joshihiko despite the fact that he is pure evil it's like <laughs> Akiyama was just all in on this like so happy to be with Yoshihiko. Genuinely, I think Yon Akiyama is arguably the best tag team wrestler I've 
ever, ever seen as an individual tag team wrestler. I know the best tag team, but the one that's had the most success with the most number of partners, with the possible exception of Arn Anderson. You know, I think, like, as an enforcer, as a proper tag team wrestler, as a go-to guy in a tag team, I've not seen anyone better than Arn Anderson or Yonakiyama. And I'd like you to show me people who are better than Yonakiyama and Arn Anderson. And so this was the ideal situation for him. Someone who, you know, has needs a little help when it comes to the tag team situation, as far as Yoshihiko is concerned. Um, and, you know, it just like showcased how great he is as a tag team wrestler when his partner is somewhat inanimate. And Harashima and Hirata, like, literally did like amazing work to make this match work i mean if you want to listen to pure joy about yoshihiko you should go back to the four dave podcast i did with dave Stevens from wrestling rewind where we watched kosha Ibushi versus yoshihiko for the ddt uh kod championship i think it was like 2011 and you know Ibushi bounced all night for yoshihiko and that match was incredible but this is this is really what DDT is about, having as much fun as you can with the limitations you have, and this was just genius. Definitely. And it, Harata has really improved. Like, he's gone from being a bit of a joke to showing just how good of a wrestler he actually is when he needs to be. Well, that's just... As I mean, as I th- sunglasses and dancing. I think that's the thing with DDT is they all can go, and they all turn it on when they need to. You know, but it's like if they're gonna have fun, they'll go have fun because it's a serious business having fun. You know, in DDT, and that's what they—that's where they make their money, isn't it? You know. So, but there we go. Uh, next match, the semi-final was the final match of Damnation. Daisuke Sasaki, Mad Paul, and Tetsuya Endo defeated Nobuhiro Shimatani, Suji Ishikawa, and Soma Takao, along with Yuji Hino, in 15 minutes and 12 seconds of an absolutely breathtaking match as Damnation break up. Is this the second time they've broken up this year? or No, they um, they lost the tournament, which basically means their faction has to dissolve. They oh, did have yes. a bit of a civil war when Sasaki and Endo sort of... Well, when Sasaki got jealous of Endo. Oh, but, okay, then fair enough. That seemed to get swept aside after the two had beaten the shit out of each other. And yeah, this was just like two generations of damnation beating each other up for one last chance. <laughs> yeah, and this was actually really, really good. The cage match guys gave it 7.94, which will tell you how good it was. It was an exceptional expression of Japanese lucha out of the highest order. And they went hell for leather for 15 minutes. And I can't complain. This was great fun to watch. And a really thoroughly enjoyable match. And they brought Shuji Ishikawa back, who was like one of the original Damnation members. Like they actually got him in for this final send off. There you go. And one of the most popular, I don't understand because they're one of the most popular factions in Japan, not just DDT, like all of Japan. But there you go. I suppose in one sense, it's it's good to have endings to things. Uh, damnation tend to split the lines because you've got the people that love them the people are just like well you break them up already they're boring and they haven't been <laughs> for quite a while so yeah I mean it, it, this is the thing we've talked about a lot this year on like why are bullet clubs still going to New Japan Pro Wrestling and it's like you do realise that like, New Japan's like the, the third newest promote, promote um, 
the third newest faction in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They, relatively speaking, haven't been around that long, you know, uh, compared to like GBH, who've been around for like nearly 15 years now. So it's, yeah, it, factions in Japan, depends on what promotion. In New Japan, factions last for a very, very long time, 20 years or so. Whereas like in all Japan, they float and move as alliances move around and wrestlers move around. So, yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of New Japan and factions, can we just take a second to um, acknowledge the fact that Don Callis basically burned a <laughs> life? I would embarrass him. What, by cutting a promo? Yes. Uh, yeah. um, I, I, I don't always agree with Don Callis, and I find him the most annoying commentator in pro wrestling history. However, he's not wrong. <laughs> he knows how to savage someone. Yes. Um, I, will, I, I, I did respond to someone with this, uh, with my favourite joke of my own this year so far, which was, to be fair, Will is Essex's greater exporter of wine. But there you go. <laughs> He's coming to MLW in like November, December, and I just I'm not looking forward to that. I like MLW. Sure, I have to put up with TJP, but he gets to put on good matches, and he doesn't tend to talk much. They <laughs> call Davy Richards an incel, and I'm just like, that's kind what? of like all in the kettle. Yeah, I, um, it does. I mean, it does strike me as the fact that um, Osprey isn't going to AEW anytime soon because it seems to me like, or or Impact, to be honest with you, because it sounds to me like I want to say maybe not Impact, but if Callus has a has a lot, still has a fair bit to do with Impact, doesn't he? He's no longer a uh, an executive there, but I think he still has input there. And certainly as input in AEW, and I get the feeling that the AEW guys just don't like Osprey. Like oh, I know Jared don't like Osprey. No, I but I mean, if I remember, I can remember watching Being the Elites about five years ago, and the Young Bucks making fun of Osprey for having to take seventeen attempts to do a promo. Um, and I noticed that Callus was always pointedly against Osprey in commentary. Um, so I'm just wondering if it's just they just don't like him and don't want him anywhere near the product. I know Jericho's a fan, and I'm wondering he stopped talking about him, and I'm wondering if he'll have gone, shh, shh, don't, 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 don't talk about him. <laughs> it's, it's all right to be a fan of his work. Just don't herald him as the second coming of Christ, because he really isn't. Good God, no. It'd be a bad, look like... out for, it'd be a bad look out for Christians everywhere, everywhere if he was. It's like we've we've got this problem now of where wrestlers can't just be good at what they do. They have to be like the world's greatest person. And it's like, well, no, probably half the people we looked up to were shit. Like, oh, yeah. I, I And I, that's not I mean, I, even then, that's not the issue. The issue, the issue is he is a great technical wrestler. He is not a great promo, nor will he ever be a great promo. No, because half I, the people don't understand how people talk in Essex. It's no, that's that's it, and it is just like um, it, it literally is like listening to a, a drunk guy in Colchester screaming about his ex-girlfriend on a Friday night outside a pub. I am that, the best technical wrestler in the world. Uh, so I can't even do it because I'm from the north. We don't. We, <laughs> I'm we from the north too. Like, we can't sound like that. 
no, it's, it's not actually physically possible. They have different vocal cords down there. But yeah, it just can't it, it just can't be done. And it is just like it. Yeah, he's not a particularly nice person, but he's not a great promo either. And nothing will fix that because he has no self awareness, and that's what makes a great promo. Like you, you want to know why? Sorry, you want to stick. You know why Steve Austin was a great promo? Because he knew where he was and he knew what to say. The Rock was a great promo because he knew where he was and he knew what to say. He was very self-aware about his limitations and, you know, what was going on around him. And all of the great promos of wrestling history have self-awareness to what they're trying to achieve. Because he doesn't, it will never work. Anywho. There's my two cents. Should we get back to the main event of this match? This card? Or you got anything else to say about the subject of the no, United Empire? Know. Did we ever discuss the Marty Skrull return? Because I can't remember or not. Uh, yeah, me and Chelsea covered it last week. But yes, for those of you who don't know, Marty Skrull um, has gone back to I no, A-Port, a Rican promotion. IWC, was it? Yes, it was IWC. Um, because apparently they booked him before lockdown. And therefore, they felt bad about like not giving him the opportunity. The answer to that is to pay him to stay home. <laughs> I don't <laughs> or, know if you, you know. want a villain, why not get a real villain? Yeah, but the yeah, but it's the same. I've actually Rob Viper talked about this a lot, um, and it was to do with, and this is a, the, probably the best argument against it. Um, oh. Uh, New Zealand bod who was future shock and uh, progress champion. What's his name? Who? Travis Banks. Travis Banks, yes. They started taking shots in Mexico. And the promoters mm-hmm. in Mexico were well aware of his background. But um, uh, what that particular promoter is an indie promoter in Mexico City, is booking him. And apparently he wants a job with WWE sometime in the future. So he thinks that by booking an ex-WWE guy, like Travis Banks, even though he wasn't really a WWE-WWE guy, um, he is going to get himself in favour with Stanford and the Performance Centre, and therefore he's kind of booking things for them. Uh, but, as Rob quite rightly said, all it does is create a bad uh, atmosphere for that particular office. The younger guys in the company don't get the exposure and they get tainted when they go somewhere else like you worked with X. So it's not doing them any good whatsoever. And it's the same thing with IWC, who, you know, may not care about their own particular reputation, but it doesn't do their wrestlers reputations any good either. No, it's it's shit for everyone involved because it's like, oh, I was on this show. It was really popular. Yeah, but that guy was on it. Yeah, we, we try not to talk about that. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing, you know, it's, um, yeah, we try, you know, deplatforming works, but it only works if everybody deplatforms people, so there we are. I covered a show not, like, last year, it was a deathmatch tribute to Colt 45, and I only wrote about half the matches because Chase and Rance was involved, and some of the people I know who worked it only worked it because it was, like, a fundraiser for Colt's family. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the people that were, like, they purposely made sure they weren't in a match with him because they would have killed him otherwise. Well, that's it. You know, it's, it's like Chelsea said last week about, you know, she she used to be a big fan of Kenny Omega, loved Kenny Omega. And then that chase and ransom didn't happen and she was, eh, kind of doesn't really go in for that anymore. 
you know, she likes him, but she's not a fan of his anymore. I will never understand the people who defend him. It's like, there's fucking... He's a registered offender. It's like... Yeah, this is not like... How much proof do you need? This is not like, you know, an odd bout of homophobia 12 years ago when the guys reformed themselves. This is actually it. This is completely it. Um, Oh, speaking of homophobia, (laughs) Briscoe's turned up in GCW last night. What's that all about? (laughs) Oh, because it looks like we're going to get SGC versus the Briscoes, which will be cool as fuck. Like, I can't, I can't not say that will not be cool as hell because they're just going to get violent. To be fair, they have, Mark and Jay have calmed their, calmed their um, horses when it comes to politics because they've realised that perhaps the fan base of Ring of Honor is a bit more progressive than they originally anticipated. Um, and also because, you know, look at all of the people that currently work for them. Um, yeah, anywho, um, I'm, not, I'm less angry at the Briscoes than I used to be for that, but. Anywho, anyway, go back to Akashita versus Chris. Yes, Brooks, main event. That's, yes, this is the reason why we actually watched the show. <laughs> and this was outstanding work. This was as good a main event as I've seen this year. Um, Chris Brooks has made himself a home in Japan and declares it home now. And it was kind of a celebration of all things Brooks because he really has, over the last 18 months, really kind of made himself a, a, a niche in New Japan, sorry, not in New Japan, in, in DDT, and Shoko Pro, and various other areas of Japanese wrestling that is unique as a Gaijin. And he's incredibly popular with the Japanese crowds. They love him, which for a sneaky heel is really amazing, amazing isn't it? <laughs> um, and yeah, no, this was absolutely great. And Takashita is... Really a great ace position wrestler, and as champion, you know he's really taking this belt um, to another level. After Akiyama's um, had a great run with it, you know beating Akiyama was outstanding, and then trying to go up a level as a champion and take the company with him, and I think that's working. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I absolutely love this. Like, I will never like shy away from the fact that like Brooks is in my top three wrestlers of all time he is just that good he's that adaptable and Takashita is the ace of DDT for a reason like they had half an hour and they put on an absolute master class from start to finish it was one of these sort of matches where just nothing would work so they're literally throwing the kitchen sink at each other and it's just <laughs> it's so damn fun so damn compelling there's no downtime and again brooke is one of these people who can make matt work look incredible much like zsj they've both just got this flair for submission work when they need it like you want sorry i was going to say i think that's the thing with brooks is you've heard the phrase master of all trades sorry jack of all trades master of none brooks is actually master of all of them you know, he loves deathmatch wrestling. He loves Joshi. He loves technical wrestling. He loves pure wrestling. Everything he tries, he can do really, really well, and he adapts it into this package of work that he has. It's not that he's a, he's a great chain wrestler. He's a great brawler. He's a great heel, and he does all of it so well, and that's what makes him tick. Definitely. He's, he's like a student of pretty much every type of pro wrestling, and he makes it work. Yeah, you and know, he, just, he knows how to get to people. There's a reason Lulu Pencil made it to 500 at the PWI. Her and Brooks told the story of a lifetime on Chocker Pro. Like, 
I mean, but there's, I mean, there's also like he's got such a creative mind. He was booker. He was booker of the Tuesday night graps in Manchester. Uh, after um, I can't remember who ran it first. It was IPW ran it, and then no, IPW took it over, and they tried doing a reg. I can't remember who ran it first. Some promotion ran it first, and Sai is the person to know because he used to go to all of them when he lived in Manchester. Um, and then IPW did it, and they tried to run a regular wrestling show, and it didn't work because it was supposed to be bit like DDT that was what that's what that's the way they kind of booked it so they gave it to Brooks and he kind of he booked it all in his mind the way the Brooks minds worked and it was amazing and it's the fact that Shard and Grapshaw managed to be a battle royale parody yeah that's, that's it you know he's he is he's got that mind and you know Takagi was absolutely right to bring him and absolutely right to to really give him like all the free reign that he's had in the last 18 months and he's made himself a star and he's probably the most vital Gaijin wrestler in Japan with the exception of say Jeff Cobb was at SJ I would think like you know I don't think like having watched the G1 I don't think New Japan can currently run on their Gaijin side without Jeff Cobb and SJ they've clearly proven they don't need anyone else <laughs> if you haven't got them to it'll work Whereas, so I think, you know, Brooks is kind of like in a company that couldn't really afford an awful lot of Gaijins. So they've got one. They happen to get the best one. 100%. Yeah. If you, if you, can, only afford, if you can only afford one Gaijin, get Chris Brooks. Because, <laughs> like, people used to, like, it's the same thing as, like, the like All Japan and Noah. And All Japan have been done better with Gaijins than they used to. Um, but even they don't really have as many gauges anymore because they can't afford to look after them. Whereas, you know, they've they've done well with Brooks. He's been the right guy to you to use. And and Takashi, yeah, it's excellent. So shall we move on to the Noah N1 victory 2021? Yeah, let's keep the good trainer rolling. Yes, this was an excellent card. I will tell you, like, majority of cards on Cage Match don't get ratings, all of them. The majority of cards don't get every match rated. All but one of the matches on this were rated. And the reason why the one wasn't rated is because it lasted a minute. And you're not allowed to have matches that last than five minutes. So this was on Wrestle Universe on Abima TV. Um, there's lots of wrestling on the Abima TV app. You can get it if you uh, go onto the Abima website. And there's loads of free stuff on that. There's like thousands of channels of Japanese television, if you can speak Japanese, obviously. But there's loads of wrestling on there, uh, Wait, specifically uh, Cyber Fight stuff. Have you not heard of this? I didn't realize the Beamer TV had like a full-on app now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I've had it for a while. I've watched I've watched a couple of Noah shows on it before I got Russell Universe. Might have to hunt that down. It's on um, Google Play, so I assume it'll be on iTunes App Store as well. Hmm. A beam a Beamer TV is the name of the app. Um, so let us uh, get going with this here Noah show. Akutoshi Saito, Kendo Kashin, and Manubi Soya defeated Daiki and Abi, Katsura Suzuki, and Masakitiyama. Uh, 10 minutes and 56 seconds in a mix of factions versus mix of factions match, which was a lot of the old guys having some fun. And it was. It was perfectly acceptable. Six, six votes from the uh, cage match guys. It was just fun. It wasn't particularly anything really serious. It was a kind of a nice way to open the show. What did you think? I was just blown away by the first song I heard on this Noah show was Never Could Say Goodbye by the Communards. It's just like, <laughs> this sets the tone perfectly, doesn't it? It's just 
as you said, no, yeah. I can't say. Yes, Akutishi Saito's theme tune. Whole load of fun. A lot of, like, infighting on both teams. And just, yeah. Kendo Kashin there trying to piss everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just a, it was a fun opener. They were all there to have fun. They all had fun and they all beat the shit out of each other for a bit. Yeah, it, it's pretty much they've all got one speed, which is low low gear, no drag. <laughs> just like keep plodding in there, bang, 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 hit each other very hard. Especially when you've got like guys like Saito and Kashin, who don't really know any other way. They just hit people really hard. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I then we had Saito. Just Saito looks like the world's scariest teddy bear. Because I bet he's really nice behind the scenes, but when you see him in action, he's just terrifying. No, and he, and he actually has started to embrace his disco side. <laughs> which, you know... Oh, we're at Kurokan Hall for this, by the way. It's 700, 713 people, which is actually a bit low for, like, um, COVID rules in Kurokan Hall. Um, still more than New Japan are at the moment. Yeah, but New Japan are running it every two days or something ridiculous like that. But and they're not producing. This was a vital card, and others are not vital. Um, and and as Walter Yeats will tell you, they are charging an awful lot more for tickets in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, which is which is fair, but it still looks half empty, and therefore not as appetising to watch. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Let's go on to the next match, which is Katsuyuki Nakajima. Uh, defeated Mas- Masakata Funaki. Oh no, hang on, I missed one out. You missed. Let's go. That's one out. Yes, Keita Kiyama, Kiyo Kiyomiya. I'll get it right. Keita Kiyomiya lost to Keno in 15 minutes and 35 seconds in an absolute blinder. They went at it. This was stiff as houses and proper King's Road storytelling. Keno eked out a victory in the end, but it was. A good, good match. It was quality wrestling. What do you think of this one, John? Yeah, this this is incredible. Like the whole tournament, Kiyomi has been trying to cement himself as like a natural star. Hence why he's sort of rocking the brown hair now. He's just he was there to prove that even with the flash, he can still go. And just oh, this this was painful to watch. It was so stiff. It was. The kicks in this, like, Keno gets some stick for being, you know, dead serious. But he's the reason why he's dead serious is when he chance chance to actually be proper serious, he's really, really good. And it's Kiyama is just like he was just on fire. And this just like it's the kind of semi final. It's it's a bit like I'm trying to think of a match I've seen that's anything like it. But the closest I can think of is Akada and Marufuji at uh, G1. A couple of years ago, that was that was close to that level of intensity and stiffness. That's how they're really going for it because this is an important match. And you know, all right, yes, it's a predetermined sport. We know who's going to win. However, you've still kind of got to put the effort in to make sure that you are thought of for next year's N one in the same way that you know um, winning would do. So you know, Kiyomiya has really set himself up for a, a fruitful year ahead, hasn't he? Oh, 100% all tournament. He's been showing why he got so popular and why people seem to think he deserves a rocket strapped to his back. And that is one hell of a sort of semi-final outing to go in, losing by the skin of your teeth. 
after beating the shit out of one of the company's top stars and most established sort of figureheads. It's just so good. Yes, absolutely. Very, very much so. And from the sublime to the ridiculous, because Ketsuyuki Nakajima demolished Masayasu Funaki in 8 minutes and 38 seconds. Funaki's a living legend. He was one of the founders of Pancras. He's one of Minoru Suzuki's best mates. He trained under Ketsuyu, um, Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Carl Gotch. He's a legend in MMA. He's a legend in professional wrestling. And for Nakajima to demolish him in short order, even though Funaki's in his 50s, says an awful lot. Funaki's a former IWGP heavyweight champion, and he's incredibly well-respected. And See, this is the thing about this entire show. I'm looking at this show and the age of the wrestlers involved, and essentially they've just run their main league-based singles tournament with a bunch of guys who are all over 50 and made it more compelling than the G1, which has a bunch of guys who are all under 40. Now, that's not a strict, that's a blanket statement, but it's not far off the truth. You know, all right, guys like Nakajima and Keno are in their 30s and are exceptional, don't get me wrong, and they're the ones that are going to push. But you've got guys like Funaki who really should not be wrestling at this standard <laughs> anymore. And yes, he got demolished in eight minutes and 35 seconds, but he looked like he would need, he should be there. He looked has that presence still. He has that killer instinct still. Everything was right. And this story was the right one to tell to get Nakajima over. Nakajima looked unstoppable after this match. This is how you make someone. Like, yeah. You have them destroy someone who is like established across so many different fields and it's just like so people can go what he did that <laughs> how and he did he did it in that quick what are you sure we're running about the right finaki here yeah, him wow yeah that's it and it works so well like he gets nakajima over as a killer again and it's been a, quite the story for nakajima this year and it really has developed um uh over a period of months the big big feud with his tag partner which ends the first noah cage match in a hair versus hair match he loses that and then bounces back to win the end well i'm sorry giving away the ending there bounces back to do this kind of performance in the end one it's we know what happened today um i'm not sure if we should talk about it but i'm not sure how many people are going to watch today's show because today's show happened earlier yes. today. You haven't seen it today, so I'm not going to mention it. But yeah, it's um, it's it's the just the story of it is is quite remarkable, and it kind of builds on all of that tension after coming off such a big loss and bouncing back through this tournament. And Nakajima looked like he was he got his mind right for the first time in months, and it was unclouded, and he knew what he wanted. See, this is the other thing that makes the N1 more compelling, I think. Just this year, at least, going into it, mm. like we see, that's it. Yeah, Karen. Like so far from the G1, what I can glean from it, the only stories that have really come out of it are ZSJ is good again. Great Orkan is really forcing people to play his style of matches, and Nagata is basically king of A Block without even yeah. taking part in the tournament. <laughs> To be to be fair, a car the Rainmaker's back at full Rainmaker demolition mode, which is cool to see again. Um, and I think it would have been more interesting if NATO had been fit for the whole tournament because that would have been the most intriguing final. Whether you had NATO or Okada, like back in the mix again. Um, 
But it's looking like an Akada ZSJ final at the minute, though Ibushi's is picked up. And I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> I don't not want Ibushi to win it, but I kind of don't want him to be in the final because it's like, oh, again. <laughs> yeah, this is it. They got Ibushi under contract and now they won't stop pushing him. It's like, we finally got him. We've got to keep him happy. We've got to keep him happy. We've got to keep him happy. Do you really think this is keeping him happy? He's a it's joke. Re- regardless of whether it keeps the fans happy or not, who are still mad at him. So, you know, but that's not his fault. So, you know, it's it, it, it's, it's one of them things. compare the um, new IWGP Heavyweight Championship to the Divas title, and I couldn't stop cracking up for like a good 10 minutes. I, I've seen a, a JPEG of where someone overlaid... Uh, Cody's neck tattoo onto the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, and once you've got that in your head, you can't stop looking at that either. Don't give Cody ideas. (laughs) I swear to God, it's where they got the idea from. It's still ugly. Anyway, um, oh yeah, Shingo Takagi had a really good tournament. He's had some crackers as a champion should in that tournament, but it's still not that interesting all the way through. Anyway, let's move on to the next match on this card. Etta defeated at Sushi Cottage in 9 minutes and 49 seconds. That, for those of you keeping score at home, Eta is a Dragon Gate wrestler who was in the Peros de Mal's de Japon uh, faction. Because, um, of course, he is. It's, he hasn't left Dragon Gate. <laughs> we don't point that out. He's just, he just has a few matches in his mate's faction in, in Noah. And this was really fun. I really enjoyed this. Didn't last very long. I was like, oh, I'm going to get settled in for this then looked away for a second to make a cup of coffee and it was over. And I was like, oh, I wish that was longer. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I love Ata. Ata's just such a dick. It's it's so fun to watch because he, he literally just loves being a dick. And when you get <laughs> someone like Cottager who, like, just all go sort of almost superhero levels, it's just hilarious to sort of see the dichotomy going on. And especially when you've got someone who's as smart at their game as Aether in. <laughs> it was just a really fun match that, as you said, didn't last very long. No, it was fine. It was okay. Just is what it was. And it was, it was again, top quality Japanese lucha in the way that Noah Jr. heavyweights can only do their own thing because they're unique. Some would argue far too unique for their own good. But anyway. Um, Daisuke Harada and Yunta Mayakawa uh, went up against Stinger and it was a draw. Rather disappointingly, eight minutes and six seconds, uh, Hayata and Harada got caught in, a, I think it was a backslide situation, and they both got double pinned. Mm. And that was that. And then Harada challenged Hayata to a match and Hayata walked off in under a minute. Um, and that's going to be for the next match for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I think that's next week. Um, or no, it would have been yesterday as well. And uh, it was an intriguing way to set a championship matchup, I thought. And it was it was a bit weird. Um, but there the we are. Sort of like, you've won. Wait, no, you've won. <laughs> you both won. Yes. Okay, we'll do it again. And then he's just watching as these two sort of just chase each other out of Karakan Hall. And he's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) It it did seem a bit. 
who's fucking Ogawa and Miyawaki are just like, what the hell's going on here? Um, <laughs> uh, yes. So that was that. Um, let's move on. Because uh, that one was just far too confusing to understand. But the next match, Siguri Gun, Kazushi Sakuraba, Kazuki Fujita, and Takahashi Sugiara defeated Embers Alliance, Keiji Muto, Masaki Mochizuki, and Masato Tanaka in 18 minutes and 17 seconds. Now, if you add the combined age of all these wrestlers together and go back in time that amount of time, you will arrive in the United States of America before independence. There you go. Just to give some reference there. If you only have one of these teams, you would arrive just at the end of the American Civil War. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but they can all go. You're damn awesome. <laughs> See, this is how you use older wrestlers properly in the sense of they're still a draw, so you put them towards the end of the show, but you give them meaningful matches to have with people who people know. So you get the best out of them without, well, losing the rub on your younger wrestlers, basically. And these guys will quite happily drop matches to younger wrestlers to get the next level of talent over. And this was great. It was a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I'm also glad to say that I, I now have the same bobby shape as Keiji Muto. Now, admittedly, I've come up slightly and he's gone down a lot. And I have knees. But I do look like from the waist up like Keiji Muto, which satisfies me greatly. <laughs> Just say, how how is Muto still going so damn well? Like he had, he had knee replacements two years ago. Yeah, but even then, it's like he's just so smart with what he does. Like he he's aware he's limited, so he makes sure that he can hide those limitations. And just I, as I said, you look at the age of the people in this match, and you're like, oh dear God, here comes a slow plodding affair that's gonna last way too long and bore the tits off as all. And then just like, nope, because you've got shooters, shooters, and strong men, and it's like, yep, everything just clicks in this one. I would also say the combined wrestling IQ of all of them is greater than any wrestlers have ever lived. You know, Muso has, like, he was Booker for All Japan, he was Booker for Wrestle One. Um, and, you know, he learned all of that stuff off Fujinami and, and Chosu when he was in New Japan. He, he learned so much. And he's like a sponge, and, you know, he, he was a great Booker for an awful long period of time. So he understands how to make everything work in any style, anywhere. He's just really good. That's I think that's the that's the thing you take away from this match is wrestling intelligence gets you everywhere. You know, a lot of people would just have, didn't really understand how great Andre the Giant was, and the, the reason why Andre was great because his wrestling IQ was way above the people he was wrestling. He wasn't limited in skill set. When he was younger, he would throw drop kicks and have submission matches. But he's Andre the Giant. He didn't need to do half that stuff. And he listened to Vince McMahon Sr. and he learned. And his wrestling IQ was outstanding. One of the reasons why there was like, well, it wasn't 92,000, was it? But, you know, 80-odd thousand people in the, in the Silver Dome to watch him wrestle Hulk Hogan. It wasn't all Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you know, Andre the Giant had wrestling IQ much bigger than Hulk Hogan's, and Hulk Hogan's a very good wrestling IQ. Well, you know, such a horrible person. But 
that's the thing that gets, strikes you here is here are guys who really shouldn't be in the wrestling industry at this age doing this kind of thing, but know how to get the absolute best out of very little. And that's why it works. I cannot believe just how good Tagira really is. Like, with all the sort of really long matches he goes through, I don't think I've ever been bored by one. Again, that's that's just like being able to deliver the kind of match he knows fans want from him. You know, he he knows his limitations. He knows what what's going to work for him and look good as well. You know, that's the reason why he's zero one world champion at the minute. Like, <laughs> I also really want to see a Sakuraba Tanaka singles match if that hasn't already happened. Probably hasn't. No, it, no, it did because Tanaka is the booker of zero one, and he's the person who took the title off. Ah, because so you don't know that... that much about zero one. So there we go. Well, it is the thing. You know that big gold belt he has, which is the zero one championship. Oh yeah. That used to be the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Oh. Because that's the original design of the big belt of the AWA that Nick Bockwinkel had in the eighties. When um, I think it was the early two thousand, Dale Gagne, who's the grandson of Vern. Hmm. restarted the AWA um, as a company and it was the AWA revived and he restarted the AWA championship and Carino ended up being long-term AWA champion and Carino worked for Zero One um, because he was really good mates with Hashimoto um, because um, Carino, this is going a long way back, but basically Carino was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and the NWA board wanted to put the title on Karina, onto Shinya Hashimoto because he was frigging Shinya Hashimoto, obviously. And they were supposed to wrestle somewhere in Texas, but someone had leaked the finish to the dirt sheets. And Carino came up with a new finish, and Hashimoto thought it was a wrestling genius, which, to be fair, Carino is pretty much a wrestling genius. So Ashimoto gave Carino a job in Zero One, and he ended up going back to Zero One to wrestle for Ashimoto all the time. Um, with that in mind, when they reformed the AWA, they started an agreement with Zero One, and Carino was AWA heavyweight champion uh, for a while, and Ashimoto had it for a bit. But the WWE had the rights to the AWA name, so eventually Dale couldn't run the company for as long as he wanted to and had closed doors, but Zero One still had the championship, so they merged it with their World's Heavyweight Championship and it became the title belt of Zero One. So there you go, which is still defended. And the current champion is um, Takashi Sugiara. Yeah. There you go. There's a wrestling history lesson of recent years for you. But all this, of course, happened 20 years ago. We say like recent years, but like there's an awful lot happened in the last 21 years. Anyway, we get to our main event. Kasuyuki Nakajima defeats Kenu in 20 minutes to win the N1 Victory for Tournament and in an absolutely outstanding match of the year candidate. Uh, I cannot say enough about this match. It was outstanding. Two stable mates giving it their all, handshake at the beginning, and they knocked their blocks off for 20 minutes. It felt so much longer. This felt like it went for 45 minutes in a good way because it was so intense and it went on for so long, the levels of just hard strikes that they had, you just took your breath away. And I cannot at all 
say enough about how great this match was. This was possibly my favourite singles match I've seen this year. What's your thoughts on this, John? It's so damn stiff. It's so damn stiff. As you said, yeah, you basically took the words right out of my mouth. It was just incredible. Like, this is how you end a tournament. This is the sort of final performance you give. And again, it was 20 minutes. Like, I cannot sort of stress enough how nice it is to say that we had this match that felt like 45 minutes that was actually 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was all good. It was all intense. It was all compelling. Rather than, say, a 45-minute match, which, we, which we'd said was 20 minutes. Like, I don't it know why. Been 20 minutes. There's so many, like, matches at the moment in every other country company that are shorter that deliver so much better yeah and i mean we've we sh- beaten a dead horse at this point but noah just pulled out one of the best singles matches of the year and I've... it was under half an hour and it delivered more drama story action and intensity in those 20 minutes and some companies can do in an hour it's i think that's the thing isn't it i mean like we shouldn't keep comparing Noah to New Japan. It's not fair because they're two two different things and they're trying to tell two different sets of stories and they've got different wrestlers. And I understand that. But equally, you know, if you look back in history, some of the best matches I've ever seen, Mick Foley versus Steve Austin, the, the first one, was 18 minutes long and it had tons of drama and told the story in a brilliant way. And it was one of my favourite matches ever. Um, but it was only 18 minutes. I think the issue is like, well, the reason why Okada versus Omega worked for an hour was because it was a Carter and Omega. <laughs> you know, if you look back at the great wrestling matches in history, why does Ricky Steamboat work and Rick Steamboat and Rick, Rick Flair work uh, so well for an hour? Because it's Rick Steamboat and Rick Flair. Why do you think it works so well for an hour? You know, it, it's like, it's not the, you don't have length isn't the issue. It's the wrestlers you've got who you want to see wrestle for that length of time, who are capable of telling a story for that length of time. It's you like- know, and, throw it to a different sort of category here like icw no holds barred uh threatening another hour-long death match like they've done an iron man one before and it was a mixed bag but they're threatening it between like eric ryan and john wayne murdoch who have tried to kill each other for the past two years and that sounds way more appealing than the first one did mm. again because of the people involved it's like yeah I know it's not fair to keep comparing like Noah to New Japan because I know they're totally different companies, but it's just Noah manages to illustrate perfectly why I have the grievances I do with New Japan at the moment because they keep delivering punchy, focused product that's continuously giving me like the satisfaction I want from the time I've invested because everything is designed to like just go before it gets boring whereas like because of limitations and expectations and things like that new japan have been forced to drag everything out Mm. because they can only limit their roster their match count things like that yeah but like nowhere of 
victim to the same sort of limitations, but they handle it so much better. Yeah, it's just it it's working with what you've got, and certainly I think uh, Noah do that incredibly well. You know, everything's well placed and it's well booked, and the stories are really really tight. And yes, Noah knows what he's talking about. Right then. Anything else you'd like to say about these two cards? Watch both of them. Get Wrestle Universe. It's free for like three months. Like, yes. Go for it. it. It's so damn fun. And as I said, there is a match between Keno and Keiji Muto where Keno sets his leg on fire. Like, can't be that really. Someone said I'm really tempted to put that in the death match calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Just on the sheer basis that it is Keno. The world's most serious wrestler, like no frills, Keno, setting his own leg on fire because he just can't beat Muto. <laughs> well, next week we're going to be looking at, um, oh, it's TJPW and their big show of the year because we're going to review that. That happened yesterday. Um, but we'll speak to you about that next week. I'd like to thank my guest for today, Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. Thank you very much for your time. Where can we find you, sir, on the internet? You can find me at Twitter handle John Deathman. That is the gateway to hell that will give you access to my writings, my opinions, my occasional meme tweets of DDT screenshots, mainly Daisuke Sekimoto and Atoga, because that is a site I will never unsee in a good way. And yeah, um, obviously keep it tuned to Steel Chair. We are on day 10 of the deathmatch calendar. <laughs> I've got and, to write mine yet. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've still got to write half of them. I kind of work five days on and then prep the next five days. <laughs> it's like I've got up to day 13 prepped. I might get mine written next weekend. I'm, I'm not decorating next weekend. I've spent the last three weekends decorating. I think I deserve a break. I have to pack my house up to move, though. So we'll see. Mr. Truepenny is at day 30, so be sure to keep following until you can see his special. <laughs> All right, you can find me at Sheriff Lonesay. You can find the show at Truepenny Show. You can find us on Facebook, The Truepenny Show, and on uh, Patreon, where you can keep Truepenny Show free forever for everyone. I'm back on Tuesday with another today at the G1. Um, I can't remember who's in the main event for that. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm, it's never, it's not been bad. I'm just slightly concerned that they're running the final on a Thursday. That doesn't seem right somehow. G1 finals are supposed to be on Sunday mornings, damn it, so I can watch it live. Uh, but yeah, there's that. Um, anywho, we'll speak to you later in the week. Take care. Kanahashi and Cobb to look forward to. That's Ooh. the main event. That's the main event. Cobb has looked pretty unstoppable. Um, Okada and Chase Owens is Owens going to be Okada as well I'm not convinced he is now (laughs) I I wasn't surprised he was going to beat Tanashi because that made complete sense but they also completely threw the booking out because he ended up losing to somebody else in like he like beat Tanashi in 10 minutes and then somebody else beat him and it was like they were much lower level than Tanahashi it's like well the least you could have done was like let him have 25 minutes before you beat him. Aichi and Tamatonga, Yoshihashi Sanada, and Goto Evo. Oh, Jesus, no. No, Goto's not on.
Goto's doing fine. He's doing his usual Goto thing, but it's not like the full-on Goto thing. He's clearly kicked it back a notch to let other people have some room, notably Yoshihashi. Um, but yeah, Yoshihashi should win this tournament. If he wasn't mathematically disqualified, he should have gone on a run and won this tournament because he's on fire right now. But anywho. Um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye!